the Sideline Cut podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements for your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie. Now you're very welcome along to the Sideline Cut podcast, kindly sponsored by Solar Choices with myself, Luke Liddy, and uh, former Limerick captain James Ryan here. A new podcast here on Live 95. It'll run throughout the uh, championship, where we will, of course, uh, be focusing on All-Ireland champions Limerick in particular. We've uh, plenty to come on the show. We look ahead to Sunday's Munster Championship opener. That's against Waterford at Semple Stadium. We'll also look ahead to Saturday's Munster football semi-final between Limerick and Clare. That one, a big one, out in the two scale grounds. I'm delighted to uh, welcome along James Ryan on this journey with us. And James, uh, your first time in the, the Live 95 studios in some time anyway. We're used to having you on the phone on a Saturday morning. You're very welcome. Yeah, look, you and Norwich bring me in, but it's finally <laughs> great to get the nod. And um, yeah, look, really looking forward to it. Um, really looking forward to doing this podcast and um, hopefully it'll be enjoyable for the listeners. Yeah, hopefully. And, and look, the, the name Sideline Cut, I, I texted you when we were talking about the podcast and you said the big question is, uh, could either either one of us hit them? But um, you, you think about Sideline Cut and you think about 2019, I think, straight away, don't you? The, the 65 that never was, but maybe changed Limerick style for the better in that they don't really take them long anymore. So maybe it is an apt name. Yeah, uh, well, the first thing you thought of was 2019. It was the second thing I thought of because any time I was playing with Limerick and it was sideline cut, they'd tell me to run away from it because <laughs> that time you had to go along with them. But no, as you said, look, the 2019 sideline cut is kind of one of those moments that'll... The fact that it was an All-Ireland semi-final, the fact that it was the last play, the fact that it should have been a 65 and the fact that it nearly has it changed nearly the role of, of the game given the fact that... Limerick goes short with a lot of sideline cuts now and maybe it would have just evolved into the game anyway but it's all about keeping possession the whole lot so yeah look sideline cut it was a massive moment in 2019 but uh, we've come a long way since then We certainly have yeah and um, just to look ahead to, to what's to come in the show Tomás McCarthy GA reporter and commentator with uh, Waterford Sports and WLR FM he'll join us for a uh, a look ahead uh, to the game from a from a Dacia point of view. Limerick hurling legend and of course two time All Star uh, goalkeeper Joe Quaid. He joins us a little bit later on as well. And uh, it's lucky that this is pre recorded, Jim Bob. We might have to keep an eye on on Joe. Yeah, sure. Um, Joe, as we say, um, Joe, Nicky, and of course Nicky's father all. All goalkeepers of Limerick, it's absolutely amazing um, to think. Um, and, and we're actually starting to see more and more of that. We're uh, having a conversation there during the year about Grod Hagerty and his father played and all the rest of them, Barry Nash and his father. And you go down through Sean Finn and his father. It's just amazing. Mahal Hoolan's on the team and Mike Hoolan's playing. It's just amazing the way the game is going and that you see players. And they're always talking about on Sunday game, wherever you listen to sport, that it's it's always uh, a son of a great player and it's great that we have that in, in the blood bloodline of the GA. It definitely is, yeah. The family tradition uh, being well and truly kept up from a Limerick hurling point of view anyway. Uh, Jim Bob, just I suppose before we move on to Championship, look, National League champions the, the first time since 2020 and that was a doubled up league final, I think, against Clare in the Munster Championship. So a first time proper really since, since 2019, we'll say. They kind of won it at a canter, did they? Can you say that? Yeah, look, I, like we're nearly, I don't know, is it the fact that it's been so long since we've won things? Like like 73 was talked about the whole time we were playing. So we're nearly always saying the same thing, but this is pinch me stuff. It's just crazy what they've won. And 
dare I say I even forgot there's so many leagues won because obviously it's Munster Championship now and obviously the Munster, the Provincial Championship and the All-Ireland Championship are the two big ones but even like not taking the league away but the most impressive thing about the league as you said is um, the fact that they've found so many new players playing it um, I found a lot of new lads there's been a lot of swapping and change and there was a lot of players that came back from holidays back from injury every kind of a thing and there was seven or eight changes to every team and yet they just still looked like they were powering on every game they were getting better and better so absolutely phenomenal but again we'll be talking about it in a while I know championships a different animal but people talk down the league more this year than other years which I, I don't ever understand because it's still a national title and players still want to win it but I can't think that there's a better preparation for championship than winning the league although saying that going on to a different code Mayo had a fairly bad day out in the first round championship mm-hmm. given their league campaign but I just think in the hurling look what a way to prepare for a championship game like you don't want to play a challenge game if you've got the chance of playing a league final before a championship so um, I think Limerick are going to be very very happy uh, obvious statement that they won it but I think they're going to be very happy with the way the whole thing panned out for them Yeah and, and I suppose just looking at some of the players that, that obviously made an impact and that, that maybe have put their hands up for championship Donnick O'Dalig maybe as a as a finisher did himself no harm obviously got a got a nice goal and, and a couple of good points as well Adam English he got a game in midfield at, at one stage so I suppose Sean that, that he's more than a one trick pony Colin Coughlin got a few more games under the belt uh, Cahill O'Neill as well both of them playing in the in the league final so you do have these youngsters coming through pushing through and maybe a couple of seasons ago we'd look at them and say yeah they'll play in league but they've not a hope in championship I think now there is real competition there yeah and look I suppose like from, from a Limerick structures point of view and from Club Hurland it's brilliant to see Donegal Dalek in, in, inside there um, coming off the back of Mon Lean who won the first ever intermediate um, All-Ireland champions to come out of Limerick um, so he brought on that confidence the way he was playing and even like we talk about the psychology of sport the whole time he definitely brought that confidence he walked into that dress room after a fantastic All-Ireland final a fantastic year with Mon Lean and he, he, he's actually it's unbelievable he came on there in a couple of games this year uh, like the Galway game for example he only came on for the last five minutes but the very last book of the ball he scored an unbelievable point but everyone was too busy celebrating to even notice it so he's done a, a lot of kind of good things this year that's even went unnoticed and as you said Adam English Colin Coughlin Shane O'Brien Shane O'Brien the age of these lads mm. um, like I I have a kind of a a thing about under 20s are they a bit young and they're kind of going against my theory the fact that they're so young and they're coming on to a, a team and they're playing so well but even the conditioning of these guys Luke it has to be said we, we talk about strength and conditioning the whole time um, Colin O'Neill and Colin Coughlin they are Shane O'Brien you, they, they nearly look like men out in the field um, if we go back to 2015 I think it was when Keane Lynch made his debut he I, I even saw highlights of it there lately and he, he 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 didn't have the physique of these lads and it's just the way the strength and conditioning's gone the way they go into an academy the way they do all this strength and conditioning from 14 years of age it's it's just phenomenal the physique and the skill levels that uh, Limerick players are producing at the moment and that they can just slot onto a system of play so quick it's 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 it's, it's amazing to watch really yeah and it's, it's it's a bit i suppose off the beaten track um in terms of of what we're talking about uh, looking forward to the championship but just from my own experience having a young fella playing soccer under 12s he has a few friends who play hurling like Sir Patrick's well Mungrit these guys are starting strength and conditioning at 12 13 years of age which is do you know, you're playing hurling 
and straight away nearly you're being looked at as you could possibly be wearing the green jerseys. It's serious business at, even at that age, like isn't it? Which is great. Yeah, look, it's it, like obviously I'm involved in, in GA development around Limerick and all clubs are just crying out for strength and condition at the moment. I don't know, is it a national thing? Is that the way the game is gone? Is it the fact that Limerick are so far ahead in strength and condition when they're out in the field? But there's no doubt about it. You can talk... Obviously, skills win matches for you if you put the ball over the bear. You need a skill set. But if you look at the Dublin football team, if you look at the Kilkenny team in the noughties, even if you go back in the years, if you actually go back to 1973 and you look at the size of Pat Hartigan and Bernie Hartigan, obviously, pure, natural, big, massive men, uh, Joe McKenna, these fellas, most of the time, the team that wins the All-Ireland, they're a big, physical team and size does matter. And as you say, bringing it down to 12 rows, just as long as they're all doing the right stuff and it has to be done correctly but it's just crazy the way we still call this an amateur sport which it is but what's going into it is just unbelievable and also the fact if, if you go around into secondary schools and you meet teenagers 14, 15 they all want the, they all want the old muscly t-shirt and the, <laughs> the sleeveless tops and, and they want look they're, they're obviously looking up to their heroes they're obviously seeing the likes of Keen Lynch Kyle Hayes all these boys Sean Finn they obviously see this photo of them in the dress room and you know, want to be like that. It's just amazing that the lads waited till I was going to take him for his tops off. I think that was done for a reason. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. Look, I, I suppose looking ahead to the to the clash against uh, Waterford, Jim Bob, and we, we mentioned a couple of the players coming through now. As it transpires with the the earlier team news, the team will be out by the time this podcast is aired. I don't know whether managers are actually going to go with proper teams or they're going to be dummy teams. I think. Over the next few weeks, I think we'll hear a lot more on this. But just looking at the the Limerick team, are we in for any surprises? I mean, Cahill O'Neill starting that National League final over Tom Morrissey, Richie English, fullback Dan Morrissey, Mike Casey. Where did they fit in? Dan Morrissey was probably one of the players of the league and he could be on the outside looking in. It, it is a tough one to pick, particularly in, in those kind of key areas. I think maybe the rest of the team will pick itself. Yeah, Um to be honest, this year more than ever, it's probably the hardest Limerick team to pick. Um, even if you were in there as a player, if we go from a player's perspective at the moment, the Limerick team is playing at such a standard at the moment. Um, like Declan Hannon and Kyle Hayes are, are not certainties to be on from a performance point of view, given the way the team played against Kilkenny in the league final. Now, obviously the two of them are going to be on, but just think of the battle for places that are going on inside in this squad at the moment. Like, no matter, it's easy for me and you to sit down and say Declan Hannon will be on the team, which he will, but when he's there watching the league final, he's still looking from a player's perspective. He's saying, I have to up my game here and I have to be at my best at every single training session to make sure that I'm centre back in that team. So that's the standard you're trying to get onto. So when we're looking at the team, we don't have any idea. Like, Richie English is a man who obviously played cornerback in the 2018 uh, All-Ireland for the whole year was outstanding there he's after an exceptionally good league um, probably his best in a long long time he was very very good and he probably going by the way the team's going to line out or whatever probably won't start so just the battle for places but will there be many changes this year you asked the question I don't think there will I think it'll look a lot like maybe last year's team obviously Graham McCarthy has nothing done this year so he's out but Going by the league this year, you can definitely predict that next year is going to have a couple of curveballs in it. I think you will see an awful lot of the likes of what you said there. Uh, Donica Daly, Adam English, Colin Cochran's colonies, they'll definitely be coming on with that 50-minute, 60-minute mark 
we all know that Crowd Harry Tamaris come off at 54 minutes it'll be interesting to see who's going in in their places obviously David Reedy is another guy who yeah. who we haven't seen all year as well so uh, he's he's unlikely to maybe have some a show. impact in that semi-final last year like you know he's he's a real finisher isn't he and I suppose he won't like being called that because they're all putting their hands up for, for starting berths but yeah completely half forgot about David Reedy who's an absolutely yeah, outstanding it's, player it's crazy and like you're talking will the Limerick team change much probably do, does any championship team change that much on any given year it's very rare you see a team come on with six changes in the championship so I do think there'll be a change or two in it where, where they are I don't know but I suppose if you flip the coin a bit and you talk about the Waterford team and the big news going around is um, Daly and uh, Gleeson obviously missing for for Waterford and they're all saying Austin Gleeson's a massive loss massive, which obviously is outstanding hurler but I, I think Limerick are gone to a level now where if they're if they're missing one if they're missing like we'll say Declan Hand or Captain their linchpin centre back plays that spare man role it's not into the world stuff for the Limerick team we saw it in the league final I know the championship we always say is different but if Limerick were in the case to be missing Kyle Hayes and Declan Hand if we just say they're still missing you're still going in maybe maybe we're being over confident gone into cocky but you still fancy your chances you still think the team system they all know their job they do their job they know the system of play anyone can slot in and you still have a strong team so I just think it's the depth of our panel that is just going to be so hard to beat this year yeah definitely is and I suppose talking about the the, the GA the Central Council releasing teams early on a, on a Friday morning uh, I, I suppose it was. It's more seen as as trying to help the game, trying to be proactive and maybe get people g'd up, talking about team news and that. The, the managers aren't too happy about it. I mean, John Kiley. I'll just read a quote from him. What's going to happen is the teams that are going to be submitted are quite simply going to just be the panelists. I think it's a disservice to those who purchase a program on the day. I think they deserve to know within reason what the team's going to be that there might be one or two changes but there's not going to be 12 or 15 changes to the team that's going to be put out uh, teams might be inclined to name their team according to alphabetical order you might have a corner back wearing number 15 a corner forward wearing number 4 so look John Kiley's just I suppose looking at it from a common sense point of view he likes to, to obviously reveal his team on a Friday night at training that's the way the players are used to it he wants to keep it that way so he's not a fan of this like what would that have been like in your day, the the naming of the team? Well, the first thing I would say is, uh, is John Kiley going to put number 15 or number four on Barry Nash because he's above scoring goals <laughs> and going back, he can nearly wear the two jerseys at this stage. But um, yeah, look, going back over the years, um, I, I remember there, I, I'd nearly swear it was a, a Thursday night for some reason I have in my head. I don't know, it was the match Saturday or Sunday, but I remember on my way to training and it was, I, I don't know, it was the first round, it was a big game coming up anyway and uh my partner at the time was able to ring me and tell me where I was playing in the team and I was hoping to be midfield and she was able to tell me since forward and I was there what do you want about You're, you must be raving we haven't heard the team yet but <laughs> it turned out it was the right team which look from a player's point of view I remember at the time kind of like it wasn't something that I dwelled too much on but you were kind of thinking in the back of your head that's not right for the general public to know the team before you even do and at least I was on I think of the psychological focus now we're after talking about players that might make the panel or if John Kiley's management team have to make a big call the, the weekend and some fella that is thinking that he's got a right chance of playing hears it from one of his family or friends or something on the way to training it's hard to get him back on your side then so look 
we can look at this from a fan's point of view. We'd love to know the team. Uh, we'd love to know the team now as we're talking. We'd love to be able to go through it and the whole lot. It creates interest in the whole lot. But there's a whole other side of it going on with management in terms of letting their players know, keeping the camp happy. And obviously then we can go into the whole tactical side of it where every team does matchups now who's going to mark who and even though they have a fair idea of the team there might be a couple of changes that and they're all trying to find that kind of 1% where they can gain over the opposition and things like that and as you said there a while ago you asked about Dan Morrissey is he going to be wing back or full back and that could be a major thing that could stop high balls going in because we know how good Dan is in the square so look you can see why Teams might throw out dummy teams and throw us. We've seen it over the years before. It kind of irons itself out. Look, to be honest, after the first round of the championship, going through the month's championship, do teams change that much anyway? They're going to have a fair idea. There'll be slight changes here and there. But look, I think I just think it's good drama for us. as pundits be talking about between the league and championship. Will there be dummy teams and that? But as I say, I think come the second round of the championship, you'll have a fair idea. The tip team, the Waterford team, the Clare, Limerick team and the Cork team, obviously. Yeah, you certainly will. There could be a few surprises thrown in on the opening weekend, but after that, the surprises are few and far between unless uh, there's uh, little niggly injuries being nursed that we don't know about. Well, let's hear a word from uh, Limerick manager John Coyley now. He's been speaking after the league final win over Kilkenny, looking forward to Sunday's Munster Championship opener against Waterford as well. Listen, we're obviously, you know, probably moving a, a, a little bit better before this time last year, OK? There was, at this time last year... There was no question answered really as such. You know, it was only subsequently that we just managed to, to pull it together and get it get it right. Um, but every year is different, and I've always pointed this out that no two seasons are the same. They all bring their own story, their own narrative, and we just felt this year this was right for us because we had a lot of players finished their championship early, and you know it felt good to us to go back training in December and you know get some work done at that time. And obviously the players had an appetite for it. I think we managed it very well the way we worked it with the players that were playing with clubs that went on a bit longer in the season and hence we've, we've uh, you know, managed to maintain a good freshness in the, in the group and I think that's reflected in our, in our performances. Um, but look, you know, if you ask me where I wanted to be right now at this stage in the season, we're there. The next question is where do we want to be in two weeks time? Well, should the, the question will be asked and whether we've got the answer now would be the next thing. You know, so it's up to the players to, to, to respond to that to that question when it'll come. And I've no doubt it'll come. Like in two weeks' time it'll come, guaranteed. So uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. You know, it's a it's a big challenge. Uh, but I wonder, you know, we'll we'll embrace. If we if we are not successful on the twenty third, it'll be because our performance isn't good enough. It won't be because we played the league or won the league. It'll be because we just didn't play well enough. Right? And that'll be that. In the story. And nobody will convince me otherwise. Uh, and I think if you were to ask Liam Cahill, he'd tell you the exact same thing. We just didn't perform well enough when it came to the championship match after having won the league. So uh, it's up to us now to take today's performance and go and see if we can raise the bar ourselves uh, in two weeks' time and, and play better. Uh, we're going to have to be far more accurate. We're going to have to have far more energy. Uh, and that's the challenge now for the boys to answer. Yeah, John Kiley speaking there, Jim Bob, neither manager will be thinking about league form coming into this one because obviously championship is king, but it's Limerick who come in as the champions this year. It was Waterford last year. Just uh, a reminder that the sideline cut is sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements of your home, business or farm more affordable visit solarchoices.ie just uh, on John Kiley there Jim Bob obviously you played under him in the past 
he comes off as, I suppose, such a level-headed guy. I mean, what he's done, what he's probably still going to do will never be repeated in Limerick, I think it's safe to say again. It's very hard to, I suppose, catch him in a sentimental mood or catch him off guard to to kind of talk about it. Players are the same. They want to talk when they're finished. But, like, do you think he ever does kind of sit down and, as a a Limerick hurling man his whole life, playing and as a fan, just sit back and kind of go, this is mad. Yeah, um, well, he definitely, obviously, he enjoys winning, and you know, he probably lets a lot more of it out, maybe at home or around Galbley when he's in the pub with his friends and stuff. But I suppose when you're in a, a, a team, even though he's the manager, when you're in that team and the management and and the players and the whole lot, um, everyone always says they they always look back in their career and appreciate it. But when you're in the moment, you know. You hear rugby players winning Six Nations or people winning World Cups and the whole lot. They're they're just in the psychological focus constantly. It's the next game. They're nearly actually gone so good at the moment. It's the next ball. It, they're worried about it, as in from a mindset that, and like, what you have inside in that Limerick team, and I suppose like it's very hard to, to. It's not a thing you can actually see visibly, but you you see it in in terms of the way they play and the way they hunt and the way you have a a dress room that has an awful lot of fellas with a winning mentality in there and I would say like well up in over 80-90% and when you have that the other 10-15% will follow they they realise what's going on here and I suppose that's what we talk about when we're talking about leadership and things like that but yeah look John Kiley is very meticulous Um, it's very impressive the fact that he gets the best people around him as well he's not afraid to let them do their job Um. As you say, <laughs> I uh, I compliment the next guy that's going to go on and 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 try and um, even match the wine beat what what's going on at the moment. Um, and again, I I'd say there is no better place as a manager of any team. Uh, give me an under twelve team, even if you have meat out of your hand like um, John has at the moment. I'd say it's a lovely place to be. It obviously, comes with its own stresses and things like that. But uh, what a place to be! I think anyone would hand their CV in and and take uh, the boys on at the moment. So. Uh, yeah, look, all these statements that he said there, you, you can't disagree with him. Um, but I think the whole ethos of what he's saying is it's next game, the league is over basically now and, and that's the mindset that team are, are in. Yeah, definitely. We'll take a euro for every David Moyes comparison that's made uh, the day that John Kiley, um <laughs> hangs it up and uh, someone else comes in to take his place. His opposite number this weekend, uh, none other than former All-Ireland winning player and, of course, All-Ireland winning manager Davy Fitz, who's back in his uh, second term as, as Waterford boss. Uh, Jim Bob knows him well. Let's take a listen to this. When Clare and Limerick meet, passions become a bit aroused, to say the least. David Breen's hard pull on James McInerney got a reaction from the crowd, a yellow card for the Limerick captain, and a bit of a head-to-head discussion between the two managers. Enough said. But there was more passion on the way. Bizarrely, Limerick midfielder James Ryan decided to let his feelings be known to the Clare manager and charged into him. No love lost between these counties, but more an excuse to push and shove each other around a little. Anyway, back to the hurl. Anyway. Back to the hurling, says Marty. Look, never any love lost between Limerick and uh, Clare, Jim Bob. I think that was the 2012 Division 1B League final, was this? You took particular issue with Davy Fitz on the sideline. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> look, I suppose now is the right time to say that uh, most uh, people would put up a highlight reel of great scores that people uh, <laughs> got over their career. Unfortunately, uh, there isn't too many of them, so we have to get up that highlight reel. Um, yeah, look, I like even, even going back on that... Um, 
uh, I suppose I came off the line and, and I hit him but like I suppose there was a bit more to it than that he, it, it was Shane Dowlins actually one of his first few games and he was playing on, on the side of Davy, and he was kind of uh, roaring and shouting at Shane the, <laughs> the whole time you know and, and I don't know it was kind of bugging me but then um, himself and John Allen had an altercation and if you talk to any of the lads uh, any of the players that played under John Allen they all had great time for him and then he kind of pushed John Allen I was, I was like oh no this is it now kind of, do you know I should have probably kept the, the red it blew it but I, I learnt over the years because a couple of years later I was coming out onto the sideline just kind of got pushed on and, and Dermot O'Sullivan from Cork was on sideline decided to sidestep that one up for some <laughs> unknown reason I was uh, I, I learnt my lesson but uh, no look um, look unfortunately uh I suppose you always want to be remembered as played a bit of hurling and played football and and the amount of times just say, oh, you're the fella that uh, hit there if it's off the line. But uh, look, it was just one of those things. It was just a moment of time. So um, yeah, so look, it's great to be able to look back and two great things about it is uh, I got no repercussions, no uh, ban or anything like that from it. And uh, look, I suppose it's history now and it was, it was just a moment in time that probably shouldn't have happened. If we were looking at it now, we'd be looking at a conspiracy against poor Davy that there was no repercussions. And you, you said you kind of came to the to the aid of, of your manager, John Allen, at the time. I don't think one player, player approached you after that happened, which I don't know. Does that speak volumes or what, what yeah, the mindset was? I'd say, I'd say if it happened now, like, um, look, I know William O'Donoghue, he'd have fell in, in the head. I don't, I don't know, was there much in it because he got hit first, but... If he got a match ban for that, and we saw a couple of match mm. bans for that, I'd say I could I could have been uh, seeing a lot of bench time for the league there because of um, sanctions. Like, but but even going back there, like we're on about oh Limerick winning the league, and the league didn't mean much that time or uh, this year, and people talk, this this in the league, we were in one um, two two B that time. We were trying to get up to Division One the league, and clear there was always one other team that would have been very very strong in it. Not. Um, dismissing any of the rest of teams, but there would have been always one team coming down from Division One that you'd say are a very high standard. And if you lost that match, it was the highest team win. So that was like a championship match start of the year, and more often than not, it just didn't go our way. And we were under so much pressure. I suppose that psychology of sport again, like playing, building yourself up for one match in the middle of February in cold weather, and it was just look, the whole thing was a disaster. And I think that incident nearly mm. <laughs> proves the whole thing, you know. Uh, what do you make of Davey as a manager? Obviously, he actually spoke after that game and said that he thinks that the little sideline scuffle kind of helped his team on. And maybe he, he's about that, isn't he? That, that extra age, he kind of he wants you to run through a brick wall for him, often kind of wears teams out within a couple of years. But he he's that type of manager who comes in and, I suppose, tear the wallpaper off the walls and screaming. And, and look, I suppose he does get results, though. Yeah, um, absolutely. I was going to say... Um uh, more often than not if you look over the history of David Fitz teams he's always got a good twist out of them the first year and second year in championship and you can argue the fact he's back with Waterford now but an awful lot of them are, are changed different players a lot of players after retiring the first time he was there so um, yeah as a manager look I was never under him but obviously an awful lot of the lads played with LIT um, and an awful lot of the boys would have great time for him Um in terms of organisation, in terms of getting players motivated, in terms of getting fellas knowing their jobs, maybe matchups, all that kind of thing. Like so, what we see in the sideline is David Fitz roaring and shouting. And as you said, he he probably did get a better twist off Claire that day from that incident than what like roaring and shouting probably worked because they won the game. So you you can automatically say that. But 
we see the Rona shouting and say he's not tuned in at all. He's taking it all in. He's all his preparation work done. He's around the game a long time. So that's the fear you have going into the first round of the championship that any Davy Fitz team and even Davy Fitz himself, given his personality, he's not just going to roll over and either a Waterford. Every team playing for the county, they're training since November. Um, they've pride in the jersey. So it's going to be it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. Yeah, okay. It's Davy Fitz, it's Waterford, it's uh, Munster Senior Hurling Championship opener and uh, Limerick have come out the top, uh, on the top, excuse me, in all the big meetings between the sides, I think the last six years. So um, they're definitely are on the right side of history there but uh, no more so than I suppose the strange 2020 All-Ireland final which took place behind closed doors we had full live commentary of that one take a listen to this there's no one to interrupt the last couple of lines of the of the uh, Aron Levine here Kiran. there's uh, two uh, army helicopters flying over us with a giant Irish flag blowing down towards the Hill 16 quite the sight it must be said as uh, it flies overhead us Limerick in a huddle Waterford in a huddle both sides set to go Referee thinking about giving a free, doesn't give it. Tom Morrissey away on the left-hand side. Have we got the first score? We have got the first score from Tom Morrissey. Kyle Hayes flicks it on towards Keane Lynch. Keane Lynch manages to do a nutmeg back in towards Keane Lynch. Surely the first goal chance here. Keane Lynch says Kyle Hayes on his left-hand side. Kyle Hayes! Oh, what a save! Batted back inside. Another save by O'Keefe. Brilliant double save from him. Back out towards Darrow Donovan. Half shot. Blocked again. Oh, my word, Stephen O'Keefe. You have earned your cross today. William O'Donoghue, Graham Mulcahy puts the hurley in and flicks it. Then flicks it again. Tries to get into the hand of Aaron Galan. Right over on this near side. Galan dinks it in. He's trying to find Keane Lynch. He's found him. Keane Lynch turns one way, turns another. Gets it towards Garrod Hegarty, who now tries to flick it back towards himself. Limerick fighting for 50-50. It's squirted towards the 14-yard line. The Burka back there for Waterford. Out over the end line. It's a 65 to Limerick. If any passage of play explains what Limerick are about here on Kerry, it's just that they fought and fought and fought for a 65 yeah that was brilliant the best patch of players so far you know and Ty DeBoer to be fair he's a great player and I suppose most players are great players if you allow them to be great but to work right there was tremendous and Willem Madun who just stood him up lost possession to stay on him and got a 65 out of it like that passage alone is telling Waterford Limerick's intent uh, for the rest of the game the way we've hurled there in the first half we deserve to be up about 10 points referee says play on Waterford had a chance of a goal coming back into this game here comes Aston Gleeson up on the right hand side being chased down by Dara O'Donovan Gleeson's still going he's going to be the shoulder now from Kyle Hayes Kyle Hayes manages to do enough to put him off let me tell you one thing Kyle Hayes has put in an exhibition this evening Limerick 8 in front it's Garrod Hegarty on the 21 yard line Garrod Hegarty is this a chance of the goal he goes over the bar for Garrod Hegarty on the run another score four points for him Limerick motoring 19-12 it's now the ruthless streak uh, I'd imagine John Kiley will be saying to the boys now is the time to harbour freedom and uh, the game is in your hands just you know put him away and enjoy the rest of the experience Dan Morrissey who comes out covering for Mike Kissy the final whistle is gone and Limerick have won the Liam McCarthy Cup 2020 All-Ireland Champions as the full and rightly extended panel trang onto the pitch what a performance that is as professional a performance as it gets magical to watch Limerick the All-Ireland Champions for the second time in three seasons breathe it in For the second time in three seasons, Declan Hannon holds the most prized possession in hurling above his head, showing off the Liam McCarthy Cup to the full panel below him on the pitch.
Yeah, what a weird and wonderful year 2020 was. Limerick All-Ireland champions, of course, beating Waterford at Croke Park, but in front of uh, no fans, and we were delighted the next year to get half capacity, and then last year to have Croke Park filled to the rafters again. But uh, yeah, the point being made is that Limerick have had the better of Waterford in big games over the last six years or so. I'm delighted to say that we're joined now by um, Limerick hurling legend, two-time All-Star, Limerick goalkeeper Joe Quaid. How are you getting on, Joe? Good luck in yourself. Ah, not too bad now. We're delighted to to have you on here. We've been uh, talking rubbish over and back for the last half an hour or so, so we need someone uh, with a bit of sense to to join us. Sorry, you, you couldn't find anyone else and you had my number, Luke, was that? <laughs> Joe, we're just after listening to, to obviously that All-Ireland final back in 2020. Another big game against Waterford coming up at the, at the weekend on Sunday. It's in Simple Stadium in Turles, not Walsh Park. Uh, what what way are you looking at it? You, a lot of people predicting an, an easy, a handy win for Limerick, but maybe Waterford are, are waiting in the long grass, or is that being too kind to them? No, I don't think it is, to be fair. I suppose Waterford over the last few years have been a team that everybody has been talking about that could possibly take Limerick down. Um, I suppose last year, Limerick only kind of pulled away in the last 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Waterford had a really good start. Um, like I'll go back to my times that I was with the development squads and Waterford were our, our biggest threat and, and our closest competitor and often beat us so they, they, they have strength and depth strength and depth at the same age profile the likes of Keane and Aaron and Sean Finn and them guys so I certainly wouldn't be writing them off and then I suppose you have the Davy factor going in there as well um, and as we all know, Davy is careful of uh, of anything, so he could he could come up with a master plan um, to to get over the line on Sunday. But look, I think Limerick's biggest problem, looking at it, if people look from the outside in, is will they get complacent? I don't think with John Kiley and Paul Canuck at the helm, there will be anybody taking anything for granted. Yeah, Joe, just to ask you a question that we ran about, like we say, your time playing there, right? If you could at all put yourself into the mindset, like, number one, I suppose the question I have is, how would you relish maybe playing in goal now? But the other question I have is, have you any story of maybe, like, in your day, did you ever try a shot poke out? Or, like, even if it was in your mindset, like, the language that would have been probably said back in show would have been crazy. It was all hit the ball long because I just remember the first puck out in 2013, um, Anthony Nash hit it to the cornerback and we just decided not to tackle him. And I knew straight away when he turned around with the game won. Your man didn't know what to do with the, game, with the ball. So I can imagine going back to the 90s, was was there ever any time where you were kind of maybe trying to do something you just said, here, let's not change the game, this is the way it is. Jesus, Jim Bob, I, I, I didn't think you were suffering from amnesia that much. I'm still being reminded nearly 30 years on, of the so-called quick shot puck out that I hit to John Hegarty in 94. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK. To be, to be fair, I, as I, I keep saying, no, looking back on it from nowadays, we were market leaders. There was a, a quiz poking a, a quick shot puck out to Hegarty. Very true. They're hailed as heroes now. We were villains back then. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I remember another day I tried one in the Gaelic grounds. I think it was 98 against Cork. 
uh, went to hit it to Clarky, slightly undercooked it. Shawnee McGrath picked it up, uh, put it over the bar and gave me the thumbs up as he was going back out. And <laughs> as I was gathering the ball for the next puck out, which by God was going to be a long one, um, I saw him and Cregan coming across the pitch. <laughs> Uh, the hair flying in the wind and he pointing at me to never do that again. <laughs> so, so I suppose, Jim, Bob, to answer your question, um, it was fairly frowned upon <laughs> in our day. Um, my job then was to keep the ball out of the net and when I did get it in my hand to hit it as far away from the goals as possible in the hope that it wouldn't return too quickly. Joe, just talking about, I suppose, the way the game has adapted and changed, like Jim Bob was talking about there, um, there's a lot of criticism, I think, in this day and age that there's too many scores, there's too much short passing, it's not kind of hit long, it's not individual battles. Uh, I suppose as, as someone who did hurl in the, the, the great era of, 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 I suppose, that excitement where it was, it was man on man, what way do you, do you look at it? Well, it was great excitement, but... I remember watching TG Cahard there during the lockdown. They were showing reruns of matches. And I think it was a player, um were playing in all Island semi-final. I can't remember who it was. And the cameras stayed on the play for surely 10, 15 seconds. The ball was hit about five times. And the camera didn't barely have to move. So mm. if you call that right, it was great. Bluster, great. <laughs> blood and thunder but um, the skill levels today are just phenomenal I, lo- I love watching the game they've they've brought it to a new level people I suppose that say the excitement is gone um, I don't know are they, are they looking for the old old school two fellas running out to the sideline the ball bounces two fellas pull the holidays break but the ball is moving nowhere but it's great crack and gets great <laughs> excitement um yeah. Like you look at the scores. Like what do we go to see? We go to watch our games to see good scores, to see good play. Um we're getting up on 60 scores a game. That's a score a minute. You go out and you watch a, a soccer match at the top level, you get an hour and a half and there mightn't even be a shot on target. So I think I'll take the game progressing. I'll take the the skill levels um, that are there now over a bit of blood and thunder any day. Yeah, and uh, before we let you go, Joe, just looking ahead, obviously, we're we're thinking that Limerick should get over the line against Waterford, not taking anything for granted. And look, I suppose the general consensus is is that Limerick should probably be capable of, of sweeping all in front of them this season. Who do you think will give them the, I suppose, the hardest going in, in Munster, first of all? I think this match will be the toughest. Okay. Because I think this is a vital must-win for Waterford. Um, so I, I genuinely think they are probably the team in Munster best equipped at the moment. They're they're seasoned. Um, I know they're carrying a few injuries in that, but they have played Limerick enough to know what's ahead of them. There's going to be no shock factor. Um, I suppose Corkery building, Tipperary building. Um, Clare, I'd say... They threw everything at Limerick last year. Couldn't get over the line on two occasions. Um, I think that might do a bit of psychological damage to them. Um, so, to me, it would certainly be 
I think Waterford are our biggest threat in Munster this year. Yeah, many thanks indeed to uh, Joe Quaid for joining us on this podcast. Really insightful guy and, uh, of course, uh, Limerick hurling legend as well and part of uh, a great hurling family, all goalkeepers, of course. Um, look, we've we've heard from the Limerick point of view from myself and Jim Bob. We've heard from uh, Joe Quaid as well. Let's hear from the, the Dacia camp now because it's a Waterford reporter here, Tomas McCarthy, who I spoke to. He works for the Waterford Sport and uh, commentator as well with WLRFM. I spoke to him to, I suppose, suss out the mood music in the uh, Dacia County ahead of this big game. Yeah, well, it's a lot different to, to last year, um, Luke, it must be said. I mean, uh, last summer, Watford were going into the, the Munster Championship as, as league winners. Um, had that terrific win against Cork in 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 the, in the league final, and we're going into the championship as you know one of the the leading contenders and maybe the team to to take down Limerick. It's a lot different this time around. It's a very low key build up. I haven't seen any flags around. Um, hard to know um, what sort of Waterford support will be in Torles on Sunday. Um, you know Waterford had a, a reasonable league. Didn't pull up any trees. Got two wins against Leash and Antrim. Drew with Dublin. Um, lost to Kenny and Tipperary. Um, so it's a different approach. Waterford had a longer lead-in than they had last year. And we'll find out over the next couple of weeks whether that approach will pay off. Is there anything kind of maybe bubbling under the surface with, as you say, with the fans? You don't know how many are going to travel. Not too many flags up. But do you think maybe there's there's a slight confidence bubbling under the surface that you're coming in very under the radar? I think it's probably a wait-and-see approach, uh, Luke. We probably don't know what to expect from Waterford coming into this game. Um, I think Waterford were definitely holding back uh, during the league. I don't think we saw Waterford's A-team at any stage uh, during the, the competition. And look, there was injuries, there were suspensions uh, coming in, in into the mix as well. But um, I think we'll certainly see the real Waterford turn up on Sunday. I think David Fitzgerald will probably have um, a couple of tactics up his sleeve for Limerick. So it's very much wait and see. And we're all looking forward to see what Waterford can produce when they hit the field on Sunday. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of injuries. You look at, I suppose, Ozzie Gleeson, Irla Daly, Shane McNulty. They're all ruled out. How big of a blow is that? Huge. Luke, like they're looking at three definite starters. Uh, I mean, like Austin Geeson would get on any team in the country. Um, like he does have that X factor. Um, you know, you can put him down for four or five points per game. Um, has struggled with injuries over the past couple of years. Picked up that hamstring injury against Tipperary uh, during the league. Um, had injury troubles last year as well. Um, he's going to be a big loss. Should be available for the Cork game second time out. Um, Irla Daly is also a loss in defence he's also suffering with a hamstring injury I thought he did a great job on Aaron Galan uh, during the first half of last year's Munster Championship yeah. game in the Gaelic grounds um, I thought it was a big turn point in the game when we, he went off injured and Galan absolutely went to town after that and uh, you know Shane McNulty would be another nailed on starter um, for Waterford as well in that defence he picked up a broken bone in his foot against Tipperary so they are three losses and, you know, unlike Limerick, Waterford probably don't have the same strength and depth, um, you know, to cope with those type of injuries. 
Probably eyebrows around the Dacia County being raised at, at Davy Fitz um, in certain periods throughout that that league campaign to Moss. Obviously, his uh, his second coming as it as it were. But uh, the major talking point definitely Desi Hutchinson being played, I suppose, out the field when he's such a danger in the inside line. Like your thoughts on the the reasoning behind that? Yeah, look, it's a it's a big talking point outside the county and inside the county, Luke. Um, Look, I, 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 I can't see Desi playing um, the same role as he did in the league on, on, on Sunday. I think they'll see him more inside. I mean, I was at the game in Nolan Park and he didn't get a shot at goal, which is you know very, very rare to see from Desi playing with Watford or with, with Ballygunner. I expect him to see, see him back inside on, on Sunday and renew acquaintances with Sean Finn. And he had a great game against Sean Finn last summer, got five points in play down the Gaelic grounds, um, you know, I think we'll see Desi back inside, alongside Michael Coyley, who we didn't see a whole lot during the league, uh, picked up that red card against Leash, but he was on fire during the Fitzgibbon Cup. Um, I expect to see the two of them um, inside on Sunday, and I, I think Waterford will, you know, show a bit more variety to their play, you'll see them shooting from distance at times, you'll see them running the ball at times, and you'll also see them putting a couple of balls inside, to, to Desi and, and, and Michael Coyley. Um, so I think we'll see a, a different uh, Desi Hutchinson this weekend. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing Mikey Kiley. I think in this championship, I think everyone are, are excited about the the prospect of him and Dizzy Hutchinson. Uh, obviously, two of them have a nose for goal and uh, really, really good attacking options. But uh, I suppose the the head to heads in in championship as of late doesn't make for for great reading for for Waterford. But you look at the game last season, and as you said, Waterford came in as the team that were probably supposed to put it up to Limerick and and had all the momentum behind them. They did put it up to them for for large periods of that game at the the two scale at grounds, but maybe fizzled out or started to unravel a bit after that game. But but certainly put it up to Limerick. There was only a couple of points in that one. Certainly was uh, Luke and like you think back to the end of that game, Waterford had a, had a ball that went in around the square, and Nicky Quaid came out and gave a mighty leap in, up into the air when the final whistle went. You know that was a proper championship battle, but. It's probably the last time that Waterford have performed in a competitive game, and that's going all the way back twelve months ago. At this stage, I mean, um, you know, they really collapsed in in Ennis against Clare, and um, you know, underperformed against Cork in the game before that. And you know, we haven't really seen the real Waterford through the league either. So I think that's the last time we've seen the the real Waterford stand up. And um, you know, I think you no, know, the, the players will be hurting with how last year. Uh, uh, turned out, um, you know, and they'll be looking to 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 prove to prove a point on Sunday. There's no question about that. But a huge task in store, as you mentioned, like, um, you know, Limerick have had the upper hand of uh, you know six championship wins in a row against Waterford since John Kiley took over. Some of them very heavy defeats. So I think Waterford have it have it all to do this time around again. Yeah, they certainly do. But there there does seem to be definitely that attitude that, that Waterford are a team capable of, of putting it up to Limerick and, and I suppose living with them physically, uh like I suppose in the in the in the middle third and, and that physical battle obviously have such skillful hurlers as well. But yeah, I suppose you look at that approach trying to match him over the last number of years, as you say, the last six championship games and, and probably Davy Fitz a man that says Maybe he has the formula to, to to maybe to maybe turn over Limerick. You might have to change the game plan slightly. Do you expect to see a changed game plan? Well, I, I think we'll see uh, a lot of what we saw maybe towards the end of the league. I think we'll see Waterford set up with seven defenders. 
Um, you know, Tyg de Burker returned at the tail end of the campaign. Um, you know, he really settled down the defence who were leaking a couple of soft goals at the start of the league. I think you'll see, you know, Tyg de Burker almost set up as a, a fourth full back, really. Uh, you know, given that um, that full back line out of protection, I think you'll see Conor Prunty match up against Aaron Galan once again. Um, you know, he's they've had a, a couple of great ding dong battles over the last couple of years. I think you'll probably see um, you know, Waterford shooting on site, especially in the first half. Um, you know, they have players of, you know, shooting from distance, like the Caleb Lyons, who was Waterford's best player player of the league, got eleven points in play. Um, Jack Fagan is also well capable of splitting the post, Jamie Barron as well. You might see Stephen Bennett coming deep and, and shooting from distance as well maybe trying to bring out that Limerick half-back line and then maybe pop a few balls inside towards Desi and, and Michael Coyley. I think that's probably how Waterford will will, will set up and um, you know you know try and overcome this Limerick team. But I think ultimately, I think Limerick's strength and depth might just tell in the end, especially coming into the final quarter. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, any, I suppose... There's nothing you can really do about it with with Walsh Park and and uh, the redevelopment there, but uh, I suppose it's not ideal. Obviously, playing a home tie tie against the the All Ireland champions in in Thurles Simple Stadium. No, it's not ideal. But I think Waterford have had plenty of time at this stage to get their heads around it. Um, you know, so look, certainly Simple Stadium is a home away from home for Waterford. The players don't mind going there. The fans don't mind going there. Um, if Waterford don't make it out of Munster again this year, I don't think they can really use it um, as an excuse, really. You know, I don't think um, you know Waterford really mind going to Tarlis to answer that. Very finally, and I was going to leave this one out because it, it is ridiculous, but I've heard it a couple of times now, a kind of a hot take on the game, like Waterford would be better off writing off this game against Limerick, aiming their focus towards Cork. Sounds like absolute rubbish, but I've 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 heard it more than once now? I don't think he's completely right it off, Luke. I think if Waterford were to come out of this game with a heavy defeat, um, you know, a double-digit defeat, I think that'd be really damaging for confidence going into the Cork game. Um, you know, Waterford needs to perform. Waterford needs to take Limerick down the stretch and then take that into the Cork game. I don't think it's, it, it's not the end of the world if Waterford lose on Sunday, but if they were to go down heavily, um, you know, that wouldn't put them in the right frame of mind going down to, to Parky Cueve. So Waterford definitely need a performance. I know um, Waterford selector Peter Queeley was talking about, you know, these first two games as they're taken as a block. And I think they'll be looking to take two points out of his first two games. Um, I think, look, the Cork game could be the se- a season-defining one, just as it was last year. But they definitely need to put on a display um, on Sunday against Limerick. Yeah, they certainly do. Tomás McCarthy there joining us to uh, chat about Waterford's chances and a general sense of uh, how they're feeling uh, down in Waterford ahead of this one. And Jim Bob, he's kind of resigned to the fact that Waterford are going to poss- probably lose this game. He said they're probably targeting two points against Cork or two points out of the, the first two games, he put it. That is the way it's it's looking at the moment, but it's championship hurling. Anything can happen, and we're not saying that to be, I suppose, uh, facetious. We're saying that because that's the that's the fact about it. You worry about teams who didn't show much in the league. Yeah, that's totally it. And what a way for Waterford to be coming into this game. Um, even the fact you said there, and that, that is the talk around that Waterford, wherever this after coming out, are going to throw the first game. And I don't know where these kind of rumours come out of because 
I keep saying when you put 15 players out in the field they will battle they didn't train since November just to throw the first game first championship game and and it was said there as well the first round of this month's championship it might be an obvious them is so important like that clear Tipperary game as well whoever wins that it's massive for qualification um, like a big talk going on around the country this year pick your top three coming out of Munster or whatever and, and, uh, and to make an obvious statement that the, the best way of doing that is winning your first game but back to Waterford coming in here I think anyone playing sport or management or whatever you, whatever way you're, you're into a team the best way you can ever be coming in is being written off because you've nothing to lose all the pressure is on the other team and basically when everybody's writing you off it means the pressure is off you and when the pressure is off you you've got freedom to perform and it's amazing this this championship is kind of just creeping up upon us. I know maybe it's because Limerick won the league final. I don't know. It's just kind of creeping up. It's just coming on here Sunday out of nowhere. It's kind of bang. We're straight into it. And you'd nearly forget um, Waterford have some class players. He mentioned a few of them there. Uh, the inside forward line, if it is Desi Hutch and Mikey Kiley, I'll tell you, they would they would um, cause hassle to any Limerick full back line. And when you've likes it, Desi Hutchinson and, and Mikey Kiley, given his Fitzgibbon Cup form, obviously, and he, he had a couple of good championship games last year. Barry Nash mightn't be as inclined to run up the field mm. and leave a fella free or would they get a fella back so look Waterford are dangerous um, I, I even think the fact that Austin Gleeson being off is kind of throwing our mindsets off a bit I hope it's not throwing the team's mindset oh they're missing maybe their star player that can often be a help to a team as well where it can everyone in the Waterford team is saying here I need to kind of put in an extra 2 or 3% here we're missing Austin Gleeson so um, yeah look uh, I I've seen the Munster Championship over the years back to even when Joe was talking there I remember the 90s I watched clips of the 80s don't ever write off any team in Munster because anything can happen any day and that's why the Munster Championship is so such a good championship to, to watch and play in Yeah it certainly is it's a bear pit and we'll have uh, full live commentary of that one coming up on Sunday at 2 o'clock Jim Bob himself and Don O'Sullivan will be calling the action at uh, Simple Stadium really looking forward to that one the sideline cut sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick making the energy requirements of your home business or farm more affordable visit solarchoices.ie and we need to give uh, Tom Magner a shout out here as well Jim Bob of of Solar Choices because uh, a man you, you know well from the from the coaching front with, with West Limerick Colleges yeah Tom um, a great great lady great Limerick hurling man um, he was involved with us with the, the Limerick uh, Colleges there um, one year we were we got all uh, four four secondary schools in West Limerick together to play in the Hearty Cup. Um, Seamus Flanagan actually would have been would have been part of it. Um, I suppose we all kind of forget the structures and the time that was put in to create this Limerick team. And even though like John Kiley, Paul Connor, and the management team get all the plot, and rightly so, um, we we can't forget all the people even at club level at West Colleges schools level, and obviously club level and in academies, all that just. Look, it's a team effort. Uh, we're Team Limerick. We're going well, and there's just an awful lot of people that have to take credit for it. And and Tom is obviously obviously a big cog, a big part of that um, wheel that keeps on turning and p- putting out players. And like Seamus Flanagan would have been uh, in West Limerick. Uh, Tom Condon, the West would have been kind of sparsely had Limerick players in in the 2013 team. Um, they've gone down the grades a bit. They're fighting hard, putting in structures there now again, but. Uh, that time we never thought Seamus Flanagan was our best player we nearly beat um, John McGrath and um, oh, what's the lad that went over to Colin O'Riordan gone over to Australia we're playing on that team we were up against it and, and the, we were actually we 
we should have won the game and ended up being a draw. Seamus Lang got injured near the end of it. But just the standard that the players are getting to on that Limerick team is just unbelievable now. Like Joe was on about being told not to hit the ball short and all that. I watched that 2020 All-Ireland that you showed a while ago. And uh, I one of the first scores in that game is Aaron Galland running away from goal on the sideline. Should never have took on the shot. No, if you, and he would put it straight over the bear. You just have to stand up and go. Oh my God, what a score! And that's not Aaron Gallant. That is any of the fifteen to eight or even the half back line can just put put balls over the bear at times, and you just your jaws open to say, "Wow!" Like that, their their level of shooting and accuracy is just unbelievable. So yeah, big shout out to Tom there. And yeah, the sideline caught as I say, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, and we're very thankful for their sponsorship. Uh, we've been talking about the the hurlers, of course, for the whole podcast, but the Limerick footballers in action as well. A massive game, a Munster semi final at the two scale at grounds on Saturday evening at seven o'clock. We will have full live commentary of that one as well with John Kyo, uh, joined by Tommy Stack, former Lim- Limerick uh, captain, of course. And Jim Bob, just a quick word on this one really up against it obviously a heavy defeat to Clare in the league beat them on penalties in last year's championship in fairness but uh, Clare coming in off the back of of beating Cork they're a team in form and Limerick look at the moment a team in disarray yeah it's look the reason why we love sport um, is the way things can change and and turn and it's amazing you say like Clare are on top form They, they are but they, they were only just after the last result they beat Cork and suddenly they're going well um, now they did beat Limerick in the last game of the league 218 to 9 points but both teams were relegated there wasn't much in it so Clare did have a poor enough league campaign um, they had a good win over Cork but again in sport do we know where Cork were at do we know was the camp happy um, Limerick I still think are a wounded animal I still think they have a, a big point to prove I think they're disappointed with their league there was a couple of results that, that went against them um, so and as you said, they beat Clare last year, even though it was in penalties, they took them all the way to a draw. So there is not much between these two teams. Uh, Ian Carbett's going to be back, which is a massive boost to the to Limerick. Um, and again, I think they're actually even in a better place than the Waterford Hurling team are, but their mindset of everybody's writing them off. And I think they have a right chance of, and it's on at home as well, which is a massive boost. So I think Limerick won't go down without a fight here. I think this team have done very well over the years. They've come from Division 4, up to it, to be in Division Three, get qualified out of Division Three. So they they have a winning mentality. I know they didn't show it in the league this year with a couple of results, but um, look, what a way to be going into a game. And uh, I know speaking to a good few of the lads there, they're, they're well up for this match. Yeah, they certainly are, and should be a cracking occasion. It is every time the two neighbours meet: Limerick versus Clare from seven o'clock in a Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final at the Two Scale at Grounds on Saturday. We'll have full live commentary of that, as I say, full live commentary as well on Sunday of uh, Limerick's clash with Waterford in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship as well. That's where time has beaten us on the Sideline Cut podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices. Thanks for tuning in. My thanks as well to my co-host James Ryan for all of his insights on this Friday afternoon. Do join us next Friday where we'll hopefully be looking back on a big win over Waterford in the hurling and a big win over Clare as well in the football. Do join us then. The Sideline Cut Podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements for your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie.